um, I went through this. I went. I, I changed titles maybe like five times, and I ended up with the center favoritism this morning. Um, hopefully, it accurately describes the message. Amen. So we've been going through the book of James. How many have been enjoying James? Not not too many of us. Okay, <laughs> PD has. <laughs> I know, but I've I've been enjoying the book of James and. Um, there's a lot to be learned in here. What's up, E? All right. Um, that's my boy. All right. So um, there's a lot to be learned in the book of James, and um, it's, it's a powerful, packed book. Um, so we're going to continue talking about um, the sin of favoritism, as James and ESV calls it, partiality. Amen? Amen. Um, so tomorrow, so well, today's the day prior to Martin Luther King. Um, a day. Uh, Martin Luther King, if anybody does not know. Who does not know who Martin Luther King is? Alan and Dave. Okay, well, I'm going to teach you something. <laughs> uh, Martin Luther King was a person that championed civil rights. He champ- championed equal rights for and equal liberties for um, all people, um, particularly black, black people in America. Um, so I, I believe James here is um, speaking right into our current social and political climate, right? So we have a lot of division, a lot of diversity, a lot of people seeking equality, seeking, um, uh, seeking to be treated fairly and justly. And I believe James is speaking right into this current, current situation that we're in. So in James chapter 1 um, that Petey spoke on a couple weeks ago, um, he comes right from talking about um, not being only hearers of the words, but to be doers of the word. Um, so now he's zeroing, zeroing on a specific area that we all are, can be um, guilty of, or as believers, we have a tendency to ignore or diminish in severity, which is partiality, right? Which is partiality simply talking about favoritism. Um, in King James Version, it, talks, it says favoritism, and he's talking about giving favoritism or special treatment to individuals based on external appearances um, and not their merits. It's welcoming, accepting, helping, loving people based only on surface stuff, right? So it's talking about, um, so the translation it literally is talking about giving face value or, or um, treating people based on their face value. So it's as I'm looking at somebody, I'm treating them based on how they look, how they act, and not based on Christ and not based on, um, as Christians, that we should be based, we should treat people based on the work of Christ. Amen? So it's treating people based on looks, gender, financial status, social status, etc. We can go on political affiliations, um, who you voted for, we treat people differently, <laughs> right? Anybody been treating people differently? Um, so how shameful is it when the is- these issues of the vision uh, and, and of race and gender and ethnicity and culture are still plaguing the Christian church. I believe we see throughout the New Testament that we see that the church should be the one place where these diversities and, these, and, and groups of people, groups of um, social wealth statuses should be, be able to come together and worship together uh, without these divisions, right? So partiality isn't just unkind, but we see, as we're going to see in James chapter 2, that it's just not unkind, it's just not being... It's just not a nice thing to do, but it's also sin. Amen? So in verse 2, let's read. I'll read the whole passage, and then we'll come through and we'll break it down a little bit. So um, verse 2, I mean verse 1. 
My brothers, sow no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you also say to, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made this distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man and not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court. Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves. You are doing well. But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. Uh, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Amen. So I have three points that we can gather from this passage. Um, the first point um, is don't show partiality because we serve an impartial God. Um, we see throughout the scripture that God is impartial. He does not show favoritism. So in verse 1, um, we can see here that, that James is speaking particularly to Christians, right? Because he calls it my brother. So it can be translated as brothers, sisters um, in Christ. So it's not just males. It's both male and female. And he's imploring us to show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's speaking to Christians, people that proclaim Christ as Lord, that, that desire to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Um, Hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And I think, and, and, I, and I read this a couple of times and not until this morning that it really hit me um, that, that the, the choices of words that he used here as the Lord of glory, right? Um, and he's speaking to Christians. So I think when, 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 when he's talking about partiality, I think when we show partiality as Christians, when we show partiality to riches, when we favor important people, it's really showing us that um, it's showing that when we when we partial when we when we're partial to the rich people, it's showing us that we're focusing on glorifying ourselves, right? So by by showing favoritism to wealthy, we're okay. Well, important people, we think it's going to make us more important and it's going to bring more glory to ourselves. But here, James is saying that the Christ is the Lord of glory, right? So as Christians. Our mission and the whole point of this passage is to glorify Christ, right, and not to bring glory to ourselves. Um, so, yeah. So when we keep, so this is important. I think this is the like the key to the whole thing is to, that we're glorifying Christ, and that the point of it is not to glorify ourselves. Um, so let's continue on. For if a man, a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing, comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in. And if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there or sit down at my feet, have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? 
So here Paul is, I mean, I'm going to miss, I'm going to keep saying Paul. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you normally do that, right? Um, yeah, yeah, whatever. So James here is telling us that, um, so he's, he's given an example, a classic example of favoritism. I think if we go through this, go through the congregation, we're all going to, we all have witnessed favoritism, whether your parents favored you more than your sibling or vice versa, or we've experienced it, we've seen it, we know what it is, right? So in our modern context, you know, picture um, a man walking straight out of GQ magazine, walking into, or a woman out of Vogue or whatever, um, whatever you women read, <laughs> uh, teen Vogue, um, no, not that, okay, um, Essence, okay, yeah, there you go, Essence. Um, so picture somebody walking straight out of a magazine and they walk into our congregation and immediately we place them in the best seat in the house. Which is the best seat in the house? Who knows, right? <laughs> Not in this house. But in, <laughs> in, in the synagogue, in, in the early church, it went, particularly in the synagogue, in the Jewish synagogue, um, there were chief seats, right? So the chief seats that the Sadducees and the Pharisees, they desired to be sat in this special particular place that signified importance, right? So, um, but you picture this person walking out of a magazine and immediately we place them in a, this special place and it signifies that this person is important. Um, and in and, 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 uh, verse two, it says, for if a man wearing a gold ring and a fine clothing, a poor man in shabby clothing. <laughs> so it's talking about somebody that you do not know. So it's a stranger that walks into your assembly, walks into your church walks into your gym, walks into your workplace, and immediately you put him in a, you hold him in high esteem, while a poor man in shabby clothing does not look the part, does not look appealing, does not look, is not cute, <laughs> uh, but we put, we immediately we put them in the back, we put them, say, okay, you go, you go in the back there where, you know, um, where, uh, where you're not held in high esteem. So in the early church, um, this early church was made up of a lot of poor and humble people, not unlike the church today. Uh, if we look throughout the world and not, and not in our American Christianity, most of the world is, is, is in poverty, right? So most of Christianity is, uh, is not wealthy. And, it, and if we look at us, we are wealthy compared to the, the rest of the world. You know, we are rich compared to the rest of the world. We have running water and all these, we have electricity and all these stuff. So picture... Um, so in the early church, when, a, when, a, when somebody of wealth, somebody of acclaim got saved, it was held as a trophy. And we see that today, right? So if a celebrity proclaims Jesus, they're like, oh, yeah, that's, that's one for us. It's like a trophy, right, a prize. But um, so here Paul, James is talking about this particular um, idea of holding somebody um, and being partial and, show, and holding somebody wealthy. Um, and somebody rich and somebody of, of notoriety in a higher esteem than poor folks. Amen? So in verse 4, I want to key in on this verse. Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? So what, what, what James here is saying is that is one man's soul really more important than another? Are, you, are we, um, did Jesus pay a bigger price for the rich man than the poor man, Right? And we know that's not true. Everybody's like, no, no, no. <laughs> All right. So did Jesus, so yeah, we see that Jesus did not pay for, uh, pay a bigger price for the rich man than he did for the poor man. Um, 
So let's look at some scriptures. Let's jump over to Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2. Chapter 22, verse 2. So here, as, with the rich man, so the rich man comes in, and he's held in a high esteem. The poor man comes in, and he's put in the back. Um, so the poor, so James here is keening on the, the fact that the poor and disenfranchised people, that God also called them also. And God has, a, God has a plan for each one of our lives, even the rich man and even the poor man. And um, so in Proverbs chapter 22, verse 2, it says, The rich and the poor meet together. The Lord is the maker of, it, of them all. So as my point number one is that the Lord is impartial. So we see here that the poor and the rich, God's the maker of them all. So God is impartial to the poor. He's impartial to the rich. Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Here's Paul's writing. It says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Matthew chapter 22. Last one for this, this topic. Matthew chapter 22, verse 16. It reads, and they sent their, uh, let's start from verse 15. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him, with his, with, entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care by anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. So we here see that even Jesus was not swayed by appearances, right? So Jesus ministered to the poor. He ministered to the rich. He ministered to... Um, people of different ethnicities and races and, and men and women. Um, so God, Romans chapter 2, verse 11 says, for God shows no partiality, right? So how, is, how are we as Christians to show partiality when God himself does not show partiality, when God has no respect of persons? Um, Jesus was countercultural. He treated everyone the same. But we think... Um, but as, we, as I said in the beginning, if somehow we think that if we treat this person of importance special, that's going to make us more special. It's going to, essentially what we're doing is saying, all right, if, well, essentially what this usher did is saying, okay, if I treat this rich person um, better, I'm going to get something out of this, right? I'm going to benefit out of this. I'm not going to benefit out of treating the poor person any, any better, right? I'm not going to get any, this, what's, what's the point of, of, of treating somebody that's lesser than me better. I don't get anything out of that, all right? Um, there's a lot of, in our society especially, there's a lot of self-worth tied up in who we know. Anybody know people that name drops a lot? <laughs> like, oh, I, you know, I, I was just with that person the other day. Yeah, we know that person, right? Everybody had that person in mind. Um, think about them right now and pray for them. <laughs> no, but we should, let's, let's stop for a moment. Just thank God that God is impartial, right? If he's, he's not save us um, based on our looks, based on our appearances, based on our, on our finances. But God reached out um, through Christ, uh, regardless of how we look, regardless of who we are, to save us. 
Amen? Um, be joyful that we know the one who controls it all. So let's continue. Let's jump back to um, James. All right, so it says in verse 4, Have you not made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? <laughs> Listen, my beloved brother, has, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith, um, to, to poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs to the kingdom? Um, so here we see that God has chosen so it's not that God has chosen the poor more. So we don't think, this, this, James is not saying that the poor are the people, the only ones that's going to be saved, right? But he's, he's making a distinction to say that God has chosen even the poor. He's chosen even, he's, he's chosen, um, <laughs> uh, God has chosen the poor, he's, the people that we despise, the people that we look down upon. God has, look, God has looked upon them also, and God is impartial to them. Um, so we should look at that. So how do we treat people? How do we treat people less than us? We got to think, we got to treat everyone the same. We got to treat everyone equally. Amen. Let's continue. Um, so another point. So the first point is that God is impartial. So we should be impartial also. Uh, number two is that our partiality insults the poor. So let's go. Let's jump on. Let's keep going. Um, verse six. Uh, but you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? Um, so here we see that. So in, this, in the early church, in, in this particular time, there was a lot of persecution with the church. So if you think about the Roman Empire, you think about the Colosseum and the, the lion fights, and we all seen the movie. What's the movie? Gladiator or something? All right, we all seen those movies, right? And um, so picture this. So, and a lot of the people that were persecuting Christians persecuting early believers were of notoriety, were the rich people that were um, enjoying um, the, this persecution. So James is here saying is the person that you esteem, aren't they the same ones that are wishing for your downfall, right? Um, aren't they the same ones that are talking about and mocking Christians for what they believe? But aren't they the same ones that we, as soon as they come into, as soon as we encounter them, we esteem them and we assume they're more important than everybody else. But they're the same ones that, you know, that wish for our downfall and that oppose us as believers. So James is pointing out the con this contradictory, this contradiction. Um, can you see the inconsistency here? Um, a partiality to the rich and seemingly better off will be our downfall as believers. You know, if we are esteeming people that don't even like us, or even in, as individuals, the people that don't even like you, um, and we're esteeming them more than the people that, um, that like you, right, will be our downfall. And it's, it's, it's not wise, it's not prudent, and it's also sinful, uh, as we see in the scripture. Amen? Amen. And uh, point number three, so point number two is that it insults the poor, it insults us as, uh, point number two, yeah, that it insults the poor. Uh, number three is that partiality does not display love, right? So James is not suggesting that we do not honor the rich and not to say that we need to treat people. So it's not necessarily saying that we need to treat poor people better or people less than us better. 
but he's, what he's suggesting here is that we show, we treat everybody with love. Um, so let's jump over to Mark chapter 12. Are you getting a little bit out of this, as PD, as PD would say? <laughs> All right, so Mark chapter 12, verse 30. And it says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So here's what James is referencing. So if we jump back to James, I know I'm jumping around a little bit. So it's in verse 8, it says, If you really fulfill the royal law, law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. So here, here he's saying, if you are esteeming or if you are acting out of a love, if you're acting out of this commandment, then you are doing well. If you are treating people with love, so if you are making special treatment um, or if you are doing something special for somebody, out of pure love, out of the love of Christ, then you are doing well, right? If you're not doing it for your glory, if you're not doing it to uh, make yourself more important or to um, esteem yourself, then you are doing well. Um, so that's what he said. So that's what James is suggesting that we not that it's not to dishonor the rich or dishonor the people that are, that are more wealthy, but it's also to, it's to honor them in love, and to honor it's also to honor the poor in love. So this is a serious matter. How how are we treating our neighbors? Um, uh, you know, so to loving your neighbors and treating your neighbors with love is important. If, if we are genuine in our treatment of others, then that's the right approach. So here he's saying that the love of God should guide our treatment of others, whether they whether they're seemingly better than us or whether they're seemingly poor, whether they are a different race than us. Um, the love of God should guide our treatment. We should not be we should not treat people based on their appearance or race, or claim, but as God loved us and as Christ loved us based on um, the love of God. Amen? Amen. Why? Um, I think James lays it out here that we are all transgressors. If we continue on, it says, but if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law of transgressors. For whoever, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become accountable for all of it. So here we see... And then continue on. For, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So it's picture you're driving down, you're driving down the turnpike and you're going, or not the turnpike, let's say you're driving down the parkway and you're going 80 miles per hour and you get pulled over. Cop pulls you over and you say, hey, cop, why you pulled me over? I'm, I didn't kill anybody. I didn't murder anybody, right? Um, James here is saying that you've, you've broken the law also. You might not have broken the murder. You might not have murdered anybody. You might not have stolen anything, but you're still a transgressor. So we are all, if you've broken one commandment of God, we are all transgressors. Amen? We all, we all need the blood of Christ. We all need the mercy of Christ. Whether you are rich, whether you are poor, no matter what you look like, no matter your race, your ethnicity, we all are in desire and deeply need the mercy of Christ and the blood of Christ. Um, 
So to so speak and so act as those who are being judged under the law of liberty. So how we, how we treat others is the evidence of our relationship with Christ. If we have been set free from sin's condemnation and dominion by Christ, then we live in liberty. We live in this liberty as um, Paul talking, as James is talking about, um, an evidence of us living in this liberty is that we treat others justly, we treat others fairly, we treat our customers, I don't know the people that work in sales, we treat people fairly and equally. Um, if we've been set free from sin's condemnation and dominion by Christ, then we live in liberty. And in this liberty, there is law, the law of liberty, that is the law of love. Amen? Amen. Um, for judgment, judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. So we all are in need of mercy. We all deserve mercy. Um, people that offend us, they deserve mercy. People that um, did not offend us deserve mercy. Um, if, um, if, we are, if we are merciful in dealing with our fellow men, God will be merciful in dealing with us when we stand before him. We should accept one another with courtesy, compassion, and consistency. So this is important. The sin of, of partiality is important. The way we treat our brothers and sisters in Christ and even in the world <laughs> is important. Um, I know one big thing right now is, is, is racism and, and, uh, and sexism. These things are running rampant in our society, but as a church, as believers, this has set us apart from the rest of the world. These, these distinctions should, mean, should be meaningless to us, right? These distinctions um, should, be, um, um, should be cherished and celebrated in Christ and that we are displaying the love of Christ to our fellow man and women um, and with love and with impartiality. And even the kids, right? Um, how we treat our kids, how we treat kids. Like, we don't have to, um, you know, send the kids to the back of the church. Like, oh, they're, they're only kids. You know, we celebrate kids also. Amen? So in closing, that was pretty quick. <laughs> um, in closing, that I, I implore you guys to really... Um, looking to, to really treat people with love and treat people with, um, with equality and respect. Amen? Amen? So let's pray. God, I thank you for this time. I pray that this message was impactful and, um, and your word went forth with boldness. I pray for that, you, that you bring this word back to remembrance um, later on this week and throughout the year, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.